This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we have the one the only ronald richards hey david how are you i mean listen i would i was going to start by asking you what is going on in your legal world today but really i guess i don't need to even ask because the girardi indictment has come down in, in in two different jurisdictions, if you could believe it, I'm going to actually I was trying to locate the California indictment, which I just found. And um, I'm going to post that while we're talking, actually, because it's so juicy. It's so juicy. I mean, before we get to that, because I actually had I have some questions on that. I figured, you know, I just want to clarify a few things because I think, you know, I just want to learn a little bit more about you. But I just think I think a lot of people are confused about you know, your involvement with this whole case. So my understanding is, you know, you were initially appointed by the bankruptcy trustee to kind of, you know, and stop me if I'm wrong to kind of, and I think if if, if I'm confused as a lawyer, some other people are possibly confused too. You know, you were initially appointed by the bankruptcy trustee to kind of look into like any type of fraudulent transfer of assets from Tom to Erica. Is that correct? Yeah, it, th- I'm glad you you brought that up because there is a lot of confusion sometimes because people are like, why don't why do you talk about the Girardi case? And this is where the confusion is. 
I was tweeting, I've been on Twitter for over a decade, and I was tweeting about the Girardi matters and, and posting documents long before I got hired by the trustee. So my primary function was to follow the bankruptcy. I, would, I, I got involved like when the Chicago case, when I realized that he was going to actually steal the money and not turn it over when the judge gave him the warning. Like that was his time not to get indicted. He could have just said, I'm going to, he could have just wired the money and that would have been the end of the case. Like there would have just never been an issue, but he didn't have it by then. Wow. So, yeah. So I was getting coverage from different legal newspapers on, oh, this lawyer is actually tweeting all the documents and everything. And so that's what I was doing. Separately, the bankruptcy trustees law firm and I do a lot of business together on, on creditor issues. So they know my skills as a lawyer and special counsel. You have to have resources as a lawyer to take those cases. Like I have to advance all the money that the, the state doesn't pay anything. So uh, they knew when they hired me, I was going to tweet about it and talk about it. I wasn't going to give up that function that I was, you know, letting the public know everything that was going on. And the reason why they thought I'd be good is because Erica was always conscious about her brand. And I was exposing that the brand was a sham based on money that she shouldn't have got. And then we discovered, you know, they had paid $25 million of her expenses, which was insane. So that's what was happening there. And then that's how you got asked because you were already kind of speaking out. And then you stepped away on your own technically what, just because, I mean, I know you made the statement that like you thought just focusing on Erica was kind of inconsistent with your bigger picture of kind of, really speaking out about the whole case and going after everyone kind of involved? Well, yeah, I stepped aside over a year ago. Um, I did it for, you know, nine months or something. Uh, the thing is, I have a lean on the on the recovery, and I donated a lot of time and money to put this case together. But this weird thing happened where I was trying to settle with Erica and kind of win some points with her legally with her lawyer and then edelson's firm wanted to sue her in chicago so i was directed to oppose the motion but i couldn't oppose it because i'm only special counsel so the general counsel opposed it and then back then edelson and i get along very well now but back then there was a disagreement because we didn't the, the trustee did not want uh the case going to chicago and then Edelson's firm dismissed the case. So it, it, it ultimately, and then refiled a racketeering case here. So this whole dispute turned out to be a waste of time and never had any impact. And it actually was unfortunate, but we then had a difference of litigation strategy because the trustee basically decided to then support the motion because people were, Edelson was complaining that it was looking like we were working with Erica. There was all these things going on and, it turned out that that we just had a difference of litigation strategy. It's not a big deal. It happens all the time. But I've got to do the case, especially if I'm on a contingency, the way I want to do it. Now we're all on the same page. I have other lawsuits against Erica for other clients. The, my current, the current special counsel and I will split up the fee if he ever collects any money. He hasn't collected any yet, except for uh, money from the earring purchase. And... Uh, 
that's it. So, so, so it, it, it wasn't, it just happens. I wasn't going to stay on the case for another year and be told what to do. And I don't have any say. So that's why it's a difference. If, if, it's, if I'm being paid by the hour, I'm a lot less uh, opposed to being told what to do. But if I'm putting my time and money and I'm like a partner on the deal, but I can't collect the money in the way that I like to do it, then I'm not doing it. One of the things I like to do if I'm going after a brand person like Erica is I like to tweet about it, you know, because I think the more she gets off the spotlight, the more emboldened she is to not want to settle because she thinks she's going to get away with it. So that that I can't really obviously get into the nitty gritty, what the specifics are of why there was a difference in litigation strategy, but you can read between the lines without me revealing anything that's privileged. So like the whole tweeting really is like a strategy that, you know, it's not just Erica, like if there was someone else, like that's just a strategy. I mean, obviously, if the person's if in the public, public eye, person, right. You know, if they care about what people write about, um, I'm going to tweet separately because I love my followers and people commenting about the case and they always alert me to different things. That's a different concept. Um, but for Erica, I definitely wanted to cover it because reporters don't cover her cases to the nuance level that I do, because they don't have, they don't understand, they don't get the records. And so that's a real journalistic service that I'm providing and that I'm going to continue to provide. And this whole thing, because I never even thought about that, this whole thing, like if Tom just paid this money in the beginning, what, this whole thing would have gone away? He never would have been disbarred? They, they wouldn't never, have been- Nothing would have ever happened. It would have said, sorry, it was a mistake. The judge would have never had a contempt. Everybody would have been happy. The thing would have been over, you know? Wow. And he just didn't have the money or claimed he didn't is what. It yeah, that's when I was heavily calling him a crook at the time and and, and really exposing it, knowing that he was going to fall apart. And so from Erica's point of view, as far as liability, because there's so much talk of like, did she, like, did she know? Did she not know? Like, is that really the crux of her whole exposure like if tom transferred all of this to her and she just thought it was you know a gift or my loving husband like you know what i mean is that really the crux of this or am i just oversimplifying that um for, for a lot of people think erica needs to have knowledge and by the way your viewers should know i'm double tasking just for a sec to put the indictment up uh so everyone gets it because it, it just was released so the, the double tasking so everybody knows um uh, if i look distracted i was just posting something for a sec but with respect to erica her liability is not knowledge her liability is did she receive money and gave no reasonably equivalent value the answer is yes because it was all just given to her and then there's a receivable on the books of girardi key so no she doesn't get to keep it it doesn't matter that she didn't know it was stolen People like get so confused because I didn't know. Well, it doesn't matter. You saw 115 fraudulent conveyance lawsuits filed. None of those people probably knew either. That's not what fraudulent conveyance means. It means you got other people's money and the trustee can claw it back. You don't get a windfall because you were paid with stolen money. It, you don't just say, ah, oh, well, I didn't know, so I keep some other person's money. That's not, it doesn't work that way when lawyers are crooks or um, in Ponzi schemes. That's why I'm asking some of these basic questions, because, I mean, I feel like people skip over some of these basic questions and there's so much talk about does she know or does she not know? And I'm like, I don't even think that's really the crux of this whole case. Definitely with her. Not. 
not on, not on the cases against her on the lawsuit that we filed. It's a fraudulent conveyance case. So so it, not her knowledge is not important. Now, going switching to Tom for a minute with this indictment, because one of my questions I was going to ask you, which I guess maybe is not even valid anymore. You know, I, people have been asking me for the past few weeks, months, like, why is Tom Girardi not in jail? And I sit here as a fake lawyer who doesn't practice anymore. And I start answering and I'm like, I have no idea. You need to ask a real lawyer. Well, you are a real lawyer and here you are. So like, you know, like, why hasn't he been in jail? Like, it was this indictment, like, was this whole time, like, were we leading up to this indictment that just came out today? Well, I mean, just because he got indicted doesn't mean that he'll get, he'll have to sit for trial. I mean, I think there's a lot of evidence. You know, he he's called me on the phone uh, to talk to me when he knew I was deposing Eric. I've spoken, I've recorded calls with him. He sounds like he is a little bit out of it. I, I, I do think he has some dementia, um, unless he's a genius and put all this together. But the probate court in California appointed a conservator. And if he really can't participate in his defense, there's not going to be a criminal trial. I mean, he has to be alive mentally to get charged. And I, I don't think I think there is some evidence that that may be true. I just don't know until I you know see it until I so that they'll, they'll do probably an evaluation and then we'll know. I mean, that's kind of what I thought the answer was. I mean, so and you don't think I mean, because listen, I mean, that is the argument that Tom is a mastermind and, you know, one of, you know, a brilliant attorney, despite the fact that he is also a criminal, you know, and put this all together and said to Eric, I hear the 50 steps you're going to follow and we're not going to speak anymore. There's no burner phone. And I'm going to say Alzheimer's. I mean, there is that whole argument that Tom is behind this and the Alzheimer's is faked and that's how he's going to get out of this. That's for, I mean, that could be true. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Big change in my life, which you guys know. I'm now splitting my time between New York and L.A., and L.A. is a driving town, except I don't drive. So, you know, I'm taking Ubers everywhere, and I swear to you, this is not the place to complain, but these Uber drivers are so... Why are we speeding up if the traffic light is going from yellow to red? And then we think we're going to make the light, but then you slam on the brakes. None of that matters because I have relief band. Before relief band, I used to get sick on a daily basis with a severe headache. Not anymore. Relief band is the number one cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, even morning sickness. 
It's literally a band you wear on your wrist and you can change the intensity depending upon how you are feeling to make it stronger or weaker. So if you want the band that actually works at relieving your nausea, check out Relief Band. Right now, we've got an exclusive offer just for Behind the Velvet Rope listeners. Go to ReliefBand.com and use promo code VELVET to get 20% off plus free shipping. Head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use promo code VELVET for 20% off plus free shipping. I mean, we just don't know, but... I think the feds will find out, but I, there is a lot of evidence that he has dementia. There is a lot of evidence that he has a dementia. Lot. A lot. There's a lot of evidence he has dementia. And so, you know, you said there's this receivable on the books, you know, it's not really whether Erica knows or doesn't know, you know, it's fraudulent transfer. It's just whether, you know, so she got the money, right? I mean, there's no question in your mind, in your mind that she has this money. No, no, no question. There, it's un, it's completely proven that she charged $14 million on Amex and got $11 million in payments made. She doesn't have it. They're, her expenses were paid using her solely owned LLC, EJ Global. And that's how we get to this $25 million number that everyone's throwing yeah, around. They've already kept good records. It's on the books. And is that the total of what she apparently received? It is $25 million or is there other money? that we don't really know about that you know of, or is it, I mean, 25 million is, is enough. That's a lot of money. That's a lot. I've never even seen a wife get that much money from somebody. I mean, a lawyer, I mean, it's, it's, she's not Beyonce. That's a big number. I mean, even successful lawyers, that's a huge number to give your wife. Uh, it's a lot of money every year. It's like 2 million a year. It's a lot of money. And so, I mean, then the question goes to like, is this money all gone? Like, where is this money? Was it 25? All gone. She only has her post separation earnings. Wow. So she got it and she blew through it and it's gone. It was spent on her and she used it and it's gone. Uh, again, I'm trying to be accurate. I don't think she blew through anything. I think he paid all of her expenses and she didn't give any consideration for it. And she's going to have to give some of that money back, no matter how much her lawyer says she didn't know. That's not the issue in the when it ultimately goes to trial or summary judgment. So focusing just on the criminal side of things for a minute before we get into the financial, like, I mean, is it, you know, like, is Erica, is there ever going to be, I mean, are the chances are there's ever going to be an indictment against her? I mean, is there? Well, she signed a lot of fake tax returns that had beat bogus expenses. Um, she signed them. I mean, I, you know, David Lira could cooperate against her. He probably doesn't know much. I deposed Erica. I don't think there was a lot of personal sharing of things between her. I don't think. I mean, she wasn't the lawyer. I, I personally don't believe she'll get criminally charged. I think from my background and work product, I think the IRS is interested in civil remedies. Um, I think she's playing it wrong. I think if she started giving some money back and, you know, made some settlements, she would be less likely to get criminally charged. Uh, but I don't think she's going to get right now. I don't have a belief that she's going to get criminally charged. I, I don't have any facts to support that. That's what I've been saying. But again, I completely defer to you. But I just going to be in lawsuits for 10 years. Eventually, something's going to break. If she doesn't settle, then she'll just get sued. Right. Like when she talked about it on the show, she had that victory in Chicago. Like, I mean, 
her legal troubles are far from over. But there was no victory. Edelson dismissed the case without prejudice and then sued her in California. It was a pure victory. It was a fake victory that her PR team put out, you know. Right. I mean, look, I have a case against her in L.A. for a Philip Sheldon, a lawyer in his 80s. And she got out of my case on summary judgment. It's on appeal. But David Lira, I, I told the judge, he's the one that was really responsible. He's the one that was the signer on the account. He lied to the bank about, about being a partner or he was a partner. He, was, he lied. He was either truthful to the bank then or he's lying under oath now. Either way, he, he lied to a bank or he lied under oath. And I always told everybody, he's the main defendant. He's the one that was responsible for our client's um, funds. And now Erica, and he, I mean, so I, I don't believe this guy. I asked his lawyers, you want to stay the case? Because I hear that there's going to be an indictment. And even the judge was like, it looks like there's going to be an indictment. And they were like, no, we're ready to go to trial. He's not going to go to trial now facing a criminal indictment. Right. And I'd much rather have him testify in front of a jury as a convicted felon. That makes a lot of sense to yeah, me. He resolves the case uh, or he goes to trial in Chicago. But what I don't understand is how uh, what I don't understand here is, is, is it, you know, so everyone was like, Erica posted, oh, I won a case. I mean, it was a small victory on a case that you were an extraneous defendant. You, obviously, the facts of my case was my client's money was in the trust account and Lyra allowed it to get misappropriated, breaching his duties to my client, who was a third party. Erica, I, she was thrown in by my co-counsel when they first filed because she received a lot of money, but that we can never prove to the judge's satisfaction that she had knowledge on aiding and abetting a breach of fiduciary duty, which is a much harder claim. The trustee gets the good claim, fraudulent conveyance, where you don't have to prove any intent. So we had a harder claim, but why not bring it? I still think the judge was wrong on a lot of levels, uh, respectfully to him. And we, that's why we appealed it, you know? So she's not out of the woods, but I always wanted Lyra as my main defendant. Now I don't know what I'm going to do in that case. And financially, so now we know she's she just got hit with this uh, 2.2 million tax lien, liable for over 4.5 million in overdue taxes. So, I mean, financially, like putting the criminal, like, right, she's not things are not looking good. Like, so what happens now? I mean, she's obviously saying I can't pay this money. Like, so what happens? The IRS just doesn't go away. I think it was a franchise. Wasn't it a franchise tax board lien from the state? Yeah. She, yeah. I don't think there's a lien against her. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, th that I, that I remember I post, I tweeted about it. I'd have to look. Um, let me, uh, let me just look uh, and see. I can and like you said in general, I mean, so like this is like her future financially, like, right, we're not talking, you know, because I think a lot of people aren't so sure about this either. We're not talking like nine months. We're talking like years and years and years. Like this is going to be going on for her for years and multiple years. Is that true? Yeah, the the litigation is going to be is going to be for multiple years. Um, and so she's going to she's going to have to deal with this. Uh, for for a long time, um, and then you know she'll have to she'll have to deal with all the fallout of this whole thing, and uh, she's going to have to um, deal with one civil case after another. The IRS or the franchise tax board could start garnishing her wages. I mean that could occur, you know, 
uh, that, that could be something that may occur um, that she's going to have to deal with um, for sure. Um, and so uh, that's a problem for her. If she does that, you know, that if she does that, she's going to have to deal with the IRS, uh, certain, you know, basically leaning her, her, um, yeah, okay, I pulled it up. It was a state taxing of 2277344423 right for your viewers on december 1st 2022 it's on our twitter page right so right if there's no criminal charges still financially i mean right so i mean they could garnish her real housewives of beverly hills wages yeah they can, she has to pay that she doesn't get a pass it's community property income the community property taxes so she is just basically working to pay off all these debts at this point I mean, she has a benefactor, you know, she, I don't know what, uh, what she's doing. You know, she's, you know, she has a, a he or a she that was friends with Tom Girardi, um, making payments, helping her, you know, I have I, no retainer agreement. I can't figure out why I mean, all sorts of issues. I mean, I don't, you know, I, they, they block my ability to publish the document. So I let other people talk about it. But, you know, it's out there. I mean, I just don't know why the, the why someone out of the blue would be so generous. There's got to be a, a different reason. But I think that, again, Tom is the ultimate responsible party. And Chris came in as controller and his son-in-law was the signer of the account. I totally agree with that. I don't think Erica is the most culpable. The, my, my problem is if you got... $25 million of value, why is it a big ask to return a couple million of it? I'm not asking her to return all 25, but some of it is tainted, right? Right. And I agree with you. I did not understand that whole thing of the person who's basically giving her this money and helping her out with life. I mean, I can make my own backstory up. I mean, there's only a few reasons why I think someone just gives money to someone else. Exactly. Everyone could come with those reasons. Like Ruth Madoff didn't get to keep all the money that was stolen. Um, she got a little bit of it. I, I mean, I, I this concept always bothered me. Like, you know, let's fight to the debt. Okay, fine, but eventually you're going to spend it in legal fees, or you're going to lose something. I mean, you know, so that's sort of the uh, the issue. You all might think I make it look easy running this podcast, but four years later, I can tell you it hasn't been. The hardest part for me, honestly, has been hiring good people. I either can't find people that are qualified to do all these jobs that I need: editing, producing. Or I find someone that qualified and then they leave me. It's not me, is it? I don't think so. But listen, now I can actually look forward to hiring because I have Indeed. It's really changed my life. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So I don't have to spend like multiple hours on different job sites and looking for people with the right skills. I have no spare time if you haven't noticed. And what I love is their Instamatch. As soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of qualified candidates whose resumes on Indeed match my job description. So I can invite them all to apply in one place right away. Quick, quick, quick. That's how I need to work here, people. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, like here behind the velvet rope, you have to make every dollar count. And that's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash Velvet to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash Velvet. Let me say it one more time. Indeed.com slash Velvet. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application, pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Right. Like, I mean, I can't imagine her legal fees must be astronomical at this point. I mean, they're not doing it for free, right? Right. That's correct. So she's just, they, so, I mean, that's the thing, like you look at, like she was just in Paris at fashion week with Lisa Rinna, you know, I look at it and like, I don't understand how you're affording your life, even with somebody helping out. It's like, I mean, I understand you're getting a paycheck from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but the amount you owe, I would just start paying it off today. And that would be me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, our, also it would help her PR that she could give some of the money back to the victims, you know, um, she, there's some a lot of weird things going on with her, like she didn't appeal. She didn't ask the judge for a stay of her earrings being sold, which the judge would have granted. And they took this position. We'll just take the money when we win. And I was like, well, why would she do that? It made never made no sense to me. And then when I read the March uh, 2nd, 2007 invoice, then I realized that she um, that. The, in, the earrings on the invoice were not the earrings that were given to the trustee. And that's just going to be something I'm really going to expose because the jeweler, the, the, the jeweler is not going to, he's going to corroborate that the earrings that he gave her were not the earrings that she gave the trustee that are on the invoice. So that's like a huge mystery. Like those earrings were allegedly burglarized. And so, yeah, I've been tweeting about that because that's going to be a big story once I get the facts together. Um, and um, I, you know, I wanted to make sure that we had a legal right to seek that information and to seek damages. So a lot of people get confused about a lot of things and they, they sometimes take a funny post and think that's fact and they try to interpret it. Um, I saw a guest on your show that had everything wrong once. Like she didn't know what she like, honestly, couldn't have been more wrong on every single issue. And I was actually on her show once a long time ago. And I'm surprised she wouldn't call me and say, hey, these are what I'm thinking. Like any good reporter, what's your response? So I get it right. I mean, come on. I'm not going to lie about things like I, I'm going to give you it, it, you can tell the difference between fact and opinion. I'm just going to give you facts. If it's an opinion, I'm going to tell you it's my opinion that's different. But yeah, so. These jewelry is a big deal because it's still on appeal. And if the truck, if the auctioneer didn't do an appraisal, we would never know uh, that the earrings that were turned to the trustee were not the earrings on the March to that March 2nd, 2007 invoice, which has different GIA certification numbers and they're different earrings completely. Right. I mean, I think that confused. Right. And that's why when people speak on this i'm like unless you're a lawyer and you know has looked at the facts there's a lot of misconceptions in this case and i think there's so much out there that the more you read i think the more you get confused but right so the initial earrings she's claiming were stolen and then you yeah 2004 but those earrings are not on the replacement earring invoice that was dated march 2nd 2007 and shipped july 19th 2007 i mean that that jeweler is getting sued now by the trustee. The gig is going to be up or I'm going to sue him like like he's going to he's going to tell you, you know, I, I, I know his lawyer. He's going to he's going to say, I didn't sell. I sold those earrings. So, I mean, David, the biggest mystery is if he sold those earrings 
What what hearings did Erica turn into the trustee? The court order was to turn in those hearings, the seven carat hearings. That's not what she turned in. So why did she have different hearings? There's only two possible reasons. Which are? He made three sets of hearings and she gave the wrong set. Or he made two sets of hearings, which I'm sure that's what happened. Grabbed the wrong one. Or the jeweler created a fake invoice with fake uh, with real GIA certs, but really gave her the six carat earrings. And that's and 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 he's gonna why how would he even know how to do that? He put on like seven carats each with the GIA cert. So is, is she gonna suggest that he defrauded Tom Girardi in 2007? I mean, she got the earrings with the certs. Um, they would know that they're six and a halfs or sevens and the jeweler, I believe, is going to say, no, those are the earrings that I gave her. And the, and he's going to say the, the first earrings that I sold her, I believe he'll say, this is my opinion, that the earrings that were sold the auction are the first earrings I sold her. Here's my invoice for that. And here's my GIA cert for that. And then she's going to have to explain why does she have those earrings if they were burglarized? Did I make that clear? Oh, not really. I mean, so there were original earrings of $750,000. No, 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 no. I really want someone to get it. So when someone asks you later, you're going to say, no, you, you don't get it. Or you can talk about it. In 2004, a pair of earrings were, were sold to Tom Girardi and Erica Girardi. Okay. Yeah. They were reported burglarized and they were deducted as a casualty loss on their um, taxes and there was an FTB audit in 2012 where the jeweler wrote a declaration. Yeah, those hearings we don't have the invoice for or the GIA certs for. Okay, right. So those are gone for those now. Those are allegedly gone. Right. In 2007, a replacement set of earrings was ordered, and it has GIA certs on them which match the carat weight of 7.09 carats. All right. Which, yes, which is apparently the same as the initial earrings as well, or that doesn't really matter in this case. They're close. They're close. Okay. The judge in 2022 ordered her to turn over the earrings on the invoice. Okay. Which would in be seven point something carats. Serendipitously, the, the, because of things I don't want to get into, the auctioneer ordered a new GIA cert of the seven carat earrings and guess what they weren't the seven carat earrings but this jeweler has a signature and i'm not going to tell everybody what it is his signature is unique no jeweler has this signature so we so the odds of a jeweler making a third set of earrings or earrings that that you know that, that, that no one copied his signature on the on the on these earrings so how did she get what earrings did she turn in if they're not the earrings on the invoice it could it, it's more likely than not those were the burglarized earrings but we don't have the proof yet that's just my opinion the jeweler is hopefully going to lay this out and show no here's the here's what i sold her first okay and even if she says i didn't read it i just got it as a gift then the question is well you participated in the ftb audit you knew your husband was saying they were burglarized. You said on the shows and on TV for years they were burglarized. Why do you have them? Right. If that's true. 
That all makes sense. The only thing that doesn't make sense is this whole they're sold at auction for like two fifty. Like, why is that different than these seven? I mean, so they're they're worth the same amount. I think that's what confused a lot of people. Like, there was this oh. impression that they're this lesser carrot, smaller earrings, and that she's trying to do something shady. Okay. She's not doing anything shady by the other ones going to auction. What 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 makes no legal sense is she didn't just ask for a stay. If these earrings were so valuable, why didn't she ask for a stay? One theory, this is a theory I have no evidence, is it's my opinion based on the evidence that I'm reading, is she discovered she gave the wrong ones after the train had left the station. So that so tactically, if they got sold to some guy in China. You would never hear about this because they're not going to have them analyzed for a signature. They're not going to be motivated to go after the jeweler. Unfortunately for her, they got sold to a friendly that understands legal standing, that had, a, that had all the interest in the world in not letting these things get bid out and sent overseas. So, so she, she didn't benefit from them being sold cheaper um, unless she wins then she would get that money potentially if she won if it's not blocked because there were some shenanigans with what she turned over so the only way it, it would have benefited her for them to be sold the most possible if she was going to get the money but, right um but that's what i'm saying I, I don't know what's so confusing that what what jeweler would be motivated in march of 2007 to have a completely fake invoice with gia search and give him a different set of stones with his signature on him um, because because the stones she has, if she got those stones, that means the jeweler just committed a massive fraud and that the replacement earrings were not the same ones that he wrote down, even though he lists the GIA search. So anybody could look and see that what he gave her is not the same ones, you know, like. And so when the auctioneer did the auction, he ordered. An appraisal. It was disclosed to the buyers, hey, we got a problem here, but we can't stop the auction because she's not moving to stop it. And the trustee has a duty to sell it. That's why it went to auction. She a lot of confusion was created for retail buyers. That's why the price was depressed. Because only a wholesaler was like, I don't care, Erica, I don't care who owns them. I'm just looking at the raw stones. They're ignoring the providence that these are the most talked about earrings in the world and that. If there's only one pair, they have a lot more value than if there's two pair. Right. And to your point, if they were sold to some person overseas or whoever, they would take them and there would be no investigation. And that's 99.9% .9 what she thought or everyone thought was going to happen as right. far as the buyer. They didn't, they didn't realize that. that And, and frankly, uh, the buyer didn't realize that they would go for so low. It was like, it was like they wanted, you know, there was a there was an effort to just sort of make sure there was a at least a legitimate auction. But it was a shocker when the paddles weren't raised when it got when the 250 bid was was uh, placed that someone didn't bid 275. I mean, but you don't bid against yourself. I mean, some of these comments I always get are so funny. It's an auction. You're not going to say, hey, I bid 250. No one else bid 250. So now I'm bidding 275. What person would do that? Right. Right. What about, you know, when Erica says, you know, because we've all seen the tweets when she says, you know, you 
put in an offer on her house. Like when she says you're obsessed with her, I mean, that's what she says. You've seen those tweets and you answer them. Like, what do you say to that? Cause that's her argument or this, this, this attorney, you know, and I think I'm not sure many people think that, but she says it. So what do you say when she says things like that? I mean, that's an unfair narrative and I'll explain why. I mean, I'm not, I'm, a, I'm interested in the case because it has wide reaching effects on lawyers in Southern California. And I am, I, with tenacity, I'm pursuing the various cases that, I, that I'm dealing with. That doesn't mean I'm obsessed with you. All my cases, I'm tenacious. So uh, that's one thing. We put an offer on her house because just like every bankruptcy lawyer and people in this little space, if an asset goes for auction or for sale and it's a good deal, we could bid on things like anybody else can. So um, when her house came for sale, we always were bidding six, nine. I had a friend of mine go in 50-50 with me and he went out and he's very good at building things. And he went out and said, there's a lot of deferred maintenance. But at six nine, it's a good price. I also wanted to take her deposition in her old house. I thought it was going to make great TV and be funny. Uh, but I was going to take the depot there, and I thought everyone would get a kick out. I was going to have some members of the public come, some of the victims, so they could see how the money was spent. So it had multiple purposes. But at the end of the day, I was going to get my money back at six nine. When the Asian couple paid in the high sevens at the auction, I think they overpaid. But they like the house, so good for them. That was a different issue. It was the same thing with the diamonds. We wanted to make sure there was bidding because only wholesalers were looking at it. And I was willing to risk a certain amount to preserve the integrity of the process and also to make sure that um, it, it did get bid up. And then if, if there was some fortuitous event, that no one bid because of misinformation that I would still have standing to pursue um, a differential and pursue the factual issues. If I didn't own them, then you would be saying to me, why are you pursuing this? If I didn't have a client that owned them or had any connection, you'd be like, why do you care about the earrings? They're not yours. You're not being, you're not representing me. Then you would have that argument and I would have no standing to go to court. I have no injury, but now I have it all. And, and, I have someone that likes wearing them. Everybody's happy. Like it's not, I didn't post anything. I've never posted anything about the auction, except it was a good auction. Don't, and also people get confused. We're not in 1918. If a female that happens to be connected to me wants to post on their social media page, that has nothing to do with me. I don't control those pages and I don't comment on them. It's not my work. And to suggest media page, you post whatever you want. There's no rules. And technically, you could argue, and it's true, to suggest otherwise that you could control that as a real throwback to the women's movement and where we are in 2023. Yeah, I mean, it's so silly. Uh, do you know what your wife's doing? No, I don't. I don't. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I like to stay in a relationship. That, that relationship work if I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and I have both. You know, you don't tell people what they can do on their social media pages. That's crazy. Think about it. I mean, it's freedom of expression. I'm not going to micromanage their page. But no, I do not think Erica expected these earrings to end up. Where they ended up. Where they ended yeah. up That's connected to you. Mad that she has to deal with it now because she knows and her lawyer will tell her that 
the party's not over because there is an inconsistency that I was tweeting about before the sale. Don't confuse. I've been on this topic. It, it just was fortuitous that they went in the right direction. It has nothing to do with the issue. I would have, I mean, I'm lucky that I don't have to beg a civilian now to say, will you pursue this, please? I'll do it for free. It's so important. And, you know, the trustee doesn't care because she forced her hand and went to auction. So I, she cares a little bit. They got so many things to do that they don't have the time to expose this. This is my baby that I'm going to, one of many babies that I'm going to break open so we can see what's going on. Right. And you do have standing now because it's related to you. So now it's you can go full steam ahead. Exactly. So there was a multiple reasons. Not and it really has nothing to do with um from my perspective, it has nothing to do with um anything but um the legal issues and uh other issues. And um, you know, if we get this cleared up, there'll probably be another auction. And, and instead of having the money diverted to um, lawyers' fees and lenders' fees, uh, we'll probably divert the proceed, the profits, directly to a list of victims that aren't on, that haven't been satisfied by insurance companies. There'll be a pro rata distribution. We won't profit off of it like where you know we will. There'll be a benefit to the victims where they'll participate in some of the profit on this, and hopefully Erica will help promote it. I actually expect to enlist her to help promote a real auction where there's no dis disinformation, where no one's thinking that they're the wrong earrings. Once we clear up the providence of these earrings, the auctioneer at no cost to, to myself, just like it won't be to the estate, they will promo this. I'm going to use the same auctioneer. They were fantastic. And they're going to put all this out and market it to get a real value for the earrings once the... Um, the, the, the factual issues are resolved because we're going to get a judgment from a judge that these are the only earrings or we're going to get a judgment that there's two and then that'll go the case will go in a different direction i just have to finish the work and in the meantime someone's going to be happy that they get to wear nice things that's it it's like not that complicated and i'm shocked why everyone speculated not one person david called and said hey What's the story with, with this purchase? Why did you do this? Like, don't you think it's good to ask people? And then you can either agree with my reasoning or not. But I mean, don't you want to get it directly from the buyer's people? Well, Ronald is the buyer of the earrings. And I have a lot more questions because I want to leave this chat with Ronald Richards, finally understanding all the drama and all the hearsay and all that's been written about these damn earrings. And now I do, and you will also. Of course, we also talk more about Beverly Hills Erica's wages, can they really be garnished? He does read me because I recently talked on a recent episode about his wife joining RHOBH. I mean, it was really more my desire. I mean, wouldn't that be great? So listen, you you know I love when someone addresses something directly with me. So he does bring this up that he heard me talking about his wife joining RHOBH, which I love. I love a direct, I don't even know if confrontation is the word. I love a direct conversation. And then we do talk about Mauricio and some of his legal things that we're leading into, Jen Shaw, Joe Giudice, Trey. We cover it all. So stay tuned next week. Ronald Richards part two is coming next week. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, 
subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.